0: be proactive about things and create the life that you want. You can start right now. You just have to make sure that when you get start getting things in place, you actually do it.
1: But if, if you're on the fence, why not give it a try? You can always take a perm job if you don't like it. Um, you can do anything for 13 weeks. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're on the fence, just just give it a try.
2: Growth always happens outside of your comfort zone. So if if you think that these things sound a little bit scary, um, maybe it'll be good for you to go out and travel. Even, like Julie said, if it's just for one contract, um, get out of your comfort zone, go meet some new people, um, explore a new area, things like that. Um, and hey, if you hate it, you made some good money in the meantime, and you can go back to uh, you know your, your safety net, wherever that might, may be.
1: This
0: Hey you guys, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me a couple who have quickly established themselves as the go-to resource for any and all things travel PT related. So if you are listening to this, you're a PT, you're thinking about traveling, these are the folks you need to be talking to, listening to, knowing. And even if you're not into travel PT, their story and what they're doing and how they're going about things is one that I think you will find pretty interesting, but I will let them give you all the background on that. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Julie Halberg and Dr. Sean Rutherford. Welcome, guys. Yeah, hey, guys.
2: Dr. Mosher, thanks for having us. (laughs) I love (laughs)
0: that. So... We're going to jump right in. Sean, I'm going to pass the mic to you first because you've been doing a little bit longer. So why don't you tell the folks basically a little bit of your background. You went to school, you graduated, and how you got into travel PT. And then Julie, we'll get the same question for you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, first of all, thanks for having us on. Uh, We're both big fans. And uh, you have some great guests. So the fact that you'd want us on is is very humbling. Um, But I am a physical therapist. I graduated from Nazareth College in upstate New York. Um, If you've never been to upstate New York, it is uh, a snowy wasteland for about six months out of the year. Um, So I was eager to travel um, and kind of get out of there. I also grew up in upstate New York. So um, after 25 years of snow, it was time for a change. Um, So that was my main uh, kind of uh, motivation for traveling um, initially. Um, We'll get into some of the other things that motivated us to travel in the first place, Um, but I've been traveling now for two and a half years. Um, I started as a new grad, um, so I've been traveling my whole career. Um, I've done several jobs in New York State, um, one in Maryland, one in Phoenix, Arizona, um, and then since Julie has joined me, we've been to South Carolina, California, and Oregon. So we've been kind of all over the place, and uh, yeah, it's been a great time.
0: That is... God, like... I'm gonna introduce just for a second. Like it's amazing to me that you you've done this from the jump. I know when I graduated, it was like really looked down upon, like, you know and I mean, social media really wasn't the thing the way it is now. And so all you kind of had to go on was like the word of your professors and like maybe anyone else that you happened to come across that was also a student. And everyone like said such bad things about it. And it's been really awesome watching your journey, both of you, your journeys, uh, and like the fact that you've done it from the beginning, like, did, was it ever discouraged, Sean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's something that Julie and I both talk about. Um, most professors seem to discourage it. Um, and I think that part of the, the reason for that is that none of them have really done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, I mean, maybe they have, but it's, I think it's becoming more and more common. So the professors that I had, uh, you know, maybe were a little bit older, and uh, it wasn't as common when they were starting their careers. So Um, Yeah, it was discouraged a little bit. Um, I had some professors who thought it was a cool thing to do, and um, some have actually encouraged uh, us to come back and uh, talk with some students, uh, which we recently did um, at Nazareth. So that was really cool, too, getting to talk to some students who kind of uh, felt like they were in the dark about travel therapy um, because there really aren't any resources while you're in school. Um, So it was nice that we were able to kind of provide some insight to them.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I saw that your story or your post rather on Instagram, and I was like, This is amazing that they got to go back because schools can be so just difficult with that. So no, it's that's no awesome. Cool. It's
2: uh, something that we're looking forward to maybe uh, doing some more of uh, as we travel here.
0: Oh, so good. So good. Julie. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, I am. What about you? What got you into this? this madness.
1: Yeah. So um, I also started right out of school as a new grad. I graduated from Ithaca three plus three program. Loved it there. I studied abroad in Australia, which kind of got my travel going. And then at one of my clinicals, I was out in Colorado. So I knew I wanted to travel. Um, And we had a few different um, travel mentors come to our school and just speak about it, which was what I found the most helpful, which is why I think it's, you know, so nice that we get to do that now going to NAS, it was, you could just tell it was helpful and, um, really helped, um, kind of open up their minds to what travel, you know, can be for them. Um, and so I started right out of school, hopped on board with Sean. And when I met him, he was just starting his travel career and I still had a year left of school. Um, so then we started in South Carolina Um, Took a job there and then was out on the West Coast in California and Oregon um, with a home health job, um, which I never anticipated doing this early on. But with the life of travel, you kind of have to expect the unexpected and you just roll with it. And I've loved it so far. So it took me a place that I never thought I'd go. But
0: man. So, you guys listening, I I obviously know Sean and Julie and we've hung out and actually got to hang out with them in Portland uh i was up there i don't even know how long ago and they were up there for their, chicken waffles. their... yeah exactly i couldn't believe that sean was like i've never had chicken and waffles and i was like what
2: i was picturing what? like the dinosaur safe chicken nuggets with some eggo waffles and it just was totally bizarre to me so
0: <laughs> the poor man's chicken and waffles <laughs> but no we went to a really good place and it was great and it's it's been amazing to see that side of things and like oh you can you can travel you can meet people you can your friends can come visit you. Like I I see the value in this. Julie, I want to pop the question to you. How has it been traveling as a couple, both just, you know, as a couple and perhaps like getting jobs? You have to get two jobs now.
1: Yeah. I mean, to start, we feel really lucky being able to travel together that both of our jobs as, you know, PTs allows us to to travel, I think we both right now just love to bounce around, and eventually we'll settle. But for right now, we love that our jobs are so flexible and allow us to travel together. Um, you know, it allows us to see so much of the country, and not many people can say they, you know, and what someone can do in ten years of traveling, we get to do in in a year. Yeah. Um. And so, and it's just so flexible taking time off together, and really we can make our schedules um, for what fits our lifestyle with. Being able to to travel and be home for the holidays, and um, you know, see family and friends, and make vacations kind of um, fit around our schedule. Um, traveling oh, so though, cool. as a pair, is you know, it also has its downfalls when it comes to finding a job. So finding a job, you have to find two in the same location. Okay. Um, up to this point, we've been fairly lucky in finding two jobs, um, with either the same company or just in the same area. Um, but again, you just have to be more flexible with either setting. Like I said, I took home health and never thought I would this early on. So flexible there, but also with location. So sometimes you can't be as picky with where you want to go. Um, you kind of just have to see where a couple of jobs pop up. But if you find yourself a good recruiter, um, our recruiter has worked miracles for us. So she's, she's been great.
0: Did you guys stick with the same recruiter this whole time? You bopped around, shop around. How does that work?
2: So I've worked for a couple different companies. Um, I've actually been with the same recruiter now for a, about a year and a half, um, at least I, actually going on two years. So um, once you find somebody that you're comfortable with and somebody who's, uh, you know, willing to put in work for you and uh, really uh, you get to know somebody, um, it's more of a team effort. Um, I think that really helps. Uh One thing I will say about finding companies and finding recruiters, um, a lot of the companies are very similar. So we usually tell people that finding a recruiter that you drive with is more important. Um, And we also find it very important to go off of referrals from people that are already traveling Um, because then you know you're getting somebody that you can trust, somebody that uh, is giving travelers a good experience. Um, I've had uh, with some of the other companies I've worked with, I've had not the best experience um, from recruiters that were just kind of randomly assigned to me. Um, so we always recommend going through, uh, recommendations from other people.
0: Like so that.
2: even now, you know, we, we shop around at different companies still, um, our recruiter knows that we do that and she's definitely open to that because she knows that it benefits us. And, uh, we always just get recommendations from travelers that we know on Instagram or, you know, other people that we know.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know even though I've been working with the same recruiter for the past year now since I graduated, we still every contract will um, talk to at least three, sometimes four different recruiters. Um, just especially as a pair, like you had talked about earlier, it opens up our opportunities and um, kind of the jobs that we can select from. So is you know our recruiter is very open to that. She knows that it's the nature of the job, um, and so I think um, just letting them know and being transparent that you're working with more than one recruiter.
0: This is interesting. Julie, I want to keep 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 going with this. For those of us, myself included, that don't do I have never done anything like this. When you say shop around, what does that mean? And what exactly does a recruiter do?
1: Yeah, shopping around when you get that list of all the jobs open, it's like Christmas morning, you know, sifting <laughs> through what jobs you have to choose from. Um, so really how it works is uh, you're working with your recruiter and you tell them your top priorities. So whether, you know, you are you definitely want to work an outpatient or maybe you're dead set on working somewhere in California, you just tell them what your priorities are with setting location and pay. And then from there, they send you all of the jobs that meet your criteria um, and all the jobs that, you know, you have a license in that state for or plan to get a license and then from there, you kind of sift through it and see what um, sparks your interest. And then you talk with your recruiter and let them know, hey, why don't we go ahead and submit to you know this job in California that's home health? I'm really interested. And then you can get more details on the job, either from the recruiter or after they submit you, um, if you get a phone interview, you can then um, find out more details on that job.
0: Um, gotcha. So- and so... With different recruiters, different recruiters have different access to different jobs. Like, what is the what's the value in getting a different recruiter? They, yeah, so like... di-
1: different recruiters. Um, so some have the same jobs posted um, because certain jobs will post to a larger database that gets sent out to multiple companies. Um, some of the smaller, more local companies have um, more specific jobs just to that area. Um, so you'll always it's always beneficial to go through different recruiting companies because some will have, um, you know. Um contracts that are only contracted through that company, and then they'll also have more um, global um, options that are across the board with many companies. So oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, so now basically,
2: basically the recruiter is working for a staffing company uh, mm-hmm. who acts as the middleman between you and the facility that you're going to work for. Um, so the facility, the ultimate like the clinic or the hospital that you're going to be working at has a need um for a therapist short term and they post that need um either through uh one company or several companies whatever it is um and then those staffing companies then bring you the jobs
0: makes total sense now i've heard and sean you can keep going with this i've heard that uh, people that like, does it make sense to do this on your own? I personally would not try to do it on my own, like without the middleman, without the, the recruiter, but can someone do this on their own?
2: Yeah, so we have heard of people doing that as uh, kind of as independent contractors. Um, we don't really have interest in doing that because <laughs> um, we don't want to deal with contracts. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Legal stuff, and <sighs> I mean, I feel like we have enough to worry about it as it is, so we don't want to uh, make things any muddier than they have to be um i think the you know the staffing company gets their cut for a reason i think they, mm-hmm. they provide a service to you so um i wouldn't want to do it on my own but i know there are people out there that do it so if it's something you're interested in um you can certainly reach out to us and we can uh provide you some resources um and direct you to the people that would uh, be helpful to talk to
0: makes makes sense man you guys that's a life lesson right there you will either pay in time or money so figure out what's more valuable to you or what you have less of or more of <laughs> and proceed accordingly. But I'm right there with you, Sean. Like that would take too much time and so much stress. I would rather just pay and whatever they get their cut. It's fine yeah, so you have to deal with all of that. So speaking of, uh, Sean, we'll keep it with you. You guys are listening, I told you in the past, but I like to just reiterate, if you are starting a podcast or if you have a podcast and you invite two guests on, make sure that if it's a remote episode like this is like I'm not sitting next to Sean and Julie but if it's a remote podcast make sure that you specify who the question is for because if you just throw the question out there then the people on the other end are like kind of looking at each other like do you go do I go what happens?" so that is why I keep saying a name and I'm not like playing favorites here but back to the podcast here uh Sean can we keep going with the kind of like icky not so fun side of this in terms of like The licensing, because it's like state by state. What do you do for insurance? Like these contracts, do you have to amend them? Can you give us some of the nitty gritty on that?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So you mentioned licensing. That is definitely one of the downsides. Um, You have to be licensed in whatever state you're working in as a physical therapist. Um, And that is becoming a little bit easier, I think, with uh, the PT compact license Mm -hmm. that's coming out. Unfortunately for us, your home state has to be involved, In New York State mm-hmm. like the last to adopt anything, so Worst. I don't think that'll like ever really help us out, um, but if uh, that's something you want to look into, that's pretty easy to find information on. Um, but yeah, you have to be licensed in whatever state you're going to work in. Having multiple licenses can really help you out when you're searching for jobs, because mm-hmm. obviously there are more jobs that you can take. Um, there are some states, like California, that have uh, usually a lot of jobs, so... Um, we have our California license that usually opens a lot of opportunities for us. Um, at this point, I have eight licenses. So.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, I've been through the process uh, quite a bit. One thing I will. You
0: say, have to pay for these all. Oh, they get reimbursed, or is yeah, it kind so, of expensive.
2: So you pay for the license up front, typically, and then it gets reimbursed when you take a contract. Okay. Um, so you big. save all your receipts. Um, even I, if I spend two dollars to ship something, I usually save the receipts mm-hmm. because. A penny yes. to a penny, right? <laughs> um, so one thing I will say about licenses is don't just go and get every license under the sun because you do have to pay for them up front. Yeah. Um, and do some research. Know where you want to go and know if it's uh, you know feasible for you to go there. Uh, early on, I got a Utah license because the process was super easy. They were like, fill out this form and we'll send you a license. And it was fairly cheap. Um, and then as soon as I got it, I told the recruiter and she was like, I have never seen a job open in Utah.
0: Yeah. There's <laughs> negative five jobs there. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So <laughs> licensing can be a bear. Um, but as long as you're on top of it and you kind of have an idea of where you want to go, um, and where jobs are, you can kind of front load it and get ahead of it. Um, That's not bad. we try to start looking for our next assignment about a month out, uh, maybe six weeks before the end of our current contract. Okay. Um, and that also gives us time for licensing. So for example, we were in California, we knew that we wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest. So we looked into Washington and Oregon and we started both of those licenses, uh, about four to six weeks before our contract in California ended. So gotcha. that gave us enough time, uh, to be licensed, uh, for our next start dates. So that was, uh, very helpful.
0: That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. Yeah.
2: Um, Julie, uh, I wanted right.
0: to swing it to you. Go ahead, John. Something else to say there?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, as far as other downfalls, um, you know, depending on the person, just the uncertainty of travel therapy can be mm-hmm. uh, somewhat problematic. Right now, we're home for a month. Uh, we took a month off for Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, and we don't know where we're going next. So <laughs> we uh, kind of have to like figure that. it out um, fairly quickly here. Um, so there is some level of anxiety. More on Julie's end than on my end. But
0: <laughs> I was that's actually, I was going to be like, tell me more, Julie.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, so, so some people handle that better than others, obviously. Um, but things typically have a way of working themselves out. I've had times where I'm waiting for weeks, it seems like, to, to hear about jobs and nothing seems to pop up. And then a job will pop up. I'll interview the same day and get an offer, you know, all within a couple hours. Um, after a week of worrying so uh, it it's, can really turn around quickly it's, a, it's yeah. an interesting industry well
0: it's one of the things that I've, I've seen between you guys and like lex and kyle being very new to this that it is a type of thing that forces you to grow up very quickly and forces you to figure out yourself and realize things about yourself quite quickly like do i prefer being home do i get homesick really quickly uh, do i prefer a more stable set routine like stable set income or am i okay, kind of going with the flow. Like, I, I think that's and that's really good. Like, there's, you know, ups and downs to everything. And when I, I, I never did travel PT, obviously, but having that set job, was nice and that's definitely I think what I needed at the time I needed the safety of like you go to work even if you don't like it but you know you're getting a paycheck and you know things are set so I really like that you brought that up Sean and that it there is the ups and downs and you as a you know traveler have to think about that going in and if you don't think about it that's fine because you will be faced with it either way Julie how has that how has that been for you kind of the ups and downs the uncertainties. like are we gonna have this job what's what are, you, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing?
1: Yeah, I definitely think Sean helps because he uh, helps bring down my stress levels. Uh, if you can't <laughs> tell, he's a very laid back, easygoing guy. Um, so that definitely helps. Um, like he said, things always have a way of working themselves out. And as long as you're flexible, which I think um, being a travel therapist, you have to be. You have to just um. kind of be able to pick things up and go with the flow and be okay with things changing last minute. Um, which I think has helped me in the long run. It's really helped with my, you know, my stress levels, my, Mm -hmm. the way I look at things. Um, So I like the, um, the lifestyle of travel. Like Sean said, it has its downfalls when it comes to that. There's always a couple of weeks where you start to get more stressed wondering, you know, am I going to have a job, um, you know, starting the week that I want to start. But again, the um, the opposite side of that is travel PT. You naturally get paid um, higher than what you would a perm job, so it allows us to take more time off and have that flexibility. To where worst case scenario, we started a week later. Um, our pay, um, you know, helps us out with that because we can save up for that and kind of plan for that. So, um, That's so
0: so good. I got I got two questions for you, Julie. One, what is a realistic time frame for like getting a job? Like it's very different than in the set, like the standard PT world. or So it seemed, and I'm I'm kind of basing this off of watching Lex and go go through this, but what's like, and Sean just said, like, it could happen in a day. What's a a roughly realistic timeframe for getting a job?
1: Yeah. So, um, it really depends. I mean, it depends on the state. It depends if you're already working with that recruiting company or if you're, you know, just starting out. Um, but on average, I'd say one to two weeks is kind of the turnaround for wow, being amazing. submitted to the job, inter, you know, getting a phone interview, and then accepting the job and signing the contract and going through kind of that whole um, process. Um, I know right now we're both really wanting um, either Hawaii or Southern California, and um, the job market has taken... Um, kind of a small downfall and is on its way back up with some um, insurance changes. But Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, we've, we've had to um, kind of wait a little bit longer. Hawaii's taking longer, longer to get back to us um, when it comes to interviews, but we're just being patient. And, but like Sean said, sometimes, I mean, we just got a phone call from a recruiter today saying, Hey, I've got this, this job that you guys would be interested in. And it looks like a good fit. What do you guys think? And we told him to submit us. And he said, you know, by next week, we, should have interviews and you know if everything goes well kind of hopefully have that all set up by next week um so it it can be a really quick turnaround um some days you can get an inner phone interview and um a job offer all in one day and then the next day you're signing the contract if you're <laughs> if it's a good fit so
0: it's a totally different thing totally this is so different like this is not how standard practice kind of things where this is that's cool that's very very cool and I like you said that use that word roller coaster like it seems like everything about the job really I I think like the best way I can explain is the best way I can summarize it is it forces you to grow up like I gotta learn how to deal with stuff and I think that PTs are actually quite well equipped with for doing that so that's I want to keep in in line with this and this train of thought here and I said I was gonna ask you two questions so I'm gonna keep with that Julie and Sean you can chime in what is pay like? I want us to talk about the money, the numbers. One of the things I think is a huge disservice to PTs, PT students is like, and just the rest of the world, is no one talks about money. They're like, it's like good. And then you like make some money. Like <laughs> I, we need to know what's going. That's why P, PTs go into so much debt because half of us didn't know that that's how much school was going to cost and that you wouldn't make a million dollars as a PT. So what are we looking at in terms of pay structure.
1: Yeah, this is one of our favorite parts about travel PT. So we love talking about it. So good. Yeah. So the um, the way it works with travel PT is um, you're you're typically making more than what you would at a perm job. And the reason for that is your um, pay breakdown is broken up into two parts. So you have your hourly taxable rate and then you Mm -hmm. have your um, stipend tax-free money so your stipend money is um, allotted to you because you technically as a traveler are working away from home which allows you to take that travel stipend because you should be duplicating expenses meaning that your you have your tax home wherever that may be and then you also have your home away from home which you need to travel in order to work at whatever job you choose um, so we're able to take That stipend money, and again, there's it's your housing stipend, your meals, and incidentals, and it's broken up into smaller pieces. But in general, you have that lump sum of money that's tax free, um, which is, I mean, we love it. Um, But there are stipulations with the government that you need to make sure you follow, um, so that way you're duplicating your expenses. Um, And so that is a good chunk of our pay. I'd say that makes up at least half, if not more, than our weekly take home. Um, So in the world of travel, we um, don't talk about a, a salary. We break it up mm-hmm. into your um, weekly take-home pay. So when we say take-home, that is what is in your bank account, what you see after taxes, after everything. Um, so typically, we really encourage new grads to be um, taking home about fifteen hundred weekly. Again, it's okay. going to vary based on location because your stipend money will change if you're in, you know, San Francisco versus if you're in um, mm-hmm. rural, you know, a really rural area. Um, so it will change, but we say on average, you should be shooting for around 1500 as a new grad.
2: Yeah, at least.
1: Um, and then setting will also, um, you know, it'll vary with setting. If you're um, working home health, typically you'll see, um, a higher, um, pay rate with home health versus if you're working, um, something like outpatient or school setting from our um, experience.
0: But. Gotcha. And just, just to clarify, so if it's 1500 take home, what are you getting taxed on from that 1500
1: Yep. So it, again, the hourly rate will change. Um, we typically take around $20 per hour for a 40-hour work week. Um, and okay. then that gets broken up and that's your taxable rate. Again, that can change and vary based on the job. Um, so that's like, amazing. It's, it's so low. An average. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, the other um, portion of that is the um, stipend money that mm-hmm. you do and that's tax-free. So.
2: Yeah, so that yeah. 1500 a week would be after taxes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, and Got it. Again. That's typically, you know, we tell people to be um, at least 1500 So, I mean, we've seen jobs up to, you know, 2000 a week take home or e- even a little bit more than that. Um, so I would say that's a typical range, 1500 to $2,000, um, depending on where you are.
0: And do you have negotiating power with these contracts or is it kind of like this is what it is?
2: So yes and no. Um, you do have a little bit of negotiation power, but, um, at the end of the day, a facility is offering a, an hourly, uh, pay rate or bill rate, Um, and that's what the staffing company is going to get. And then the staffing okay. company is going to take their cut and give you, you know, what they can. So, um, sometimes you have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, if you have a recruiter that you trust, um, you know that they're going to offer you what they can up front. That's another benefit of having a recruiter that you really trust, is you know that they're not trying to to hide money from you, um, so you don't really have to negotiate too much. That makes sense.
0: Sean, what about healthcare?
2: Uh, Healthcare, we...
0: Insurance.
2: There's a few things you can do. Um, You can take health insurance through your company, your staffing company. Um, mm-hmm. because by the way, you are an employee of your staffing company, not of the facility technically.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So okay. your health
2: insurance, uh, dental vision, things like that would be through your staffing company. Um, uh, so you can do that where that would get a little bit muddy is if you are going to work with company a for this contract, and then you're going to take two weeks off and work for company B. Um, yes, you can get insurance from company a and then insurance from company B, but what about that, that period in between, right? Um, so in order to avoid that, we just went third-party insurance. Julie's actually uh, still a youngster. She's on her parents' insurance.
1: <laughs> so I'm going to milk that for another six months yeah. before I
0: do that, Julie. Yeah. Smart.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you have the means to do that, then do that. Um, but, I, yeah, I just have a third-party uh, insurance. Um, that- Love it. I know I'm covered year-round, and yeah, I just have to pay a monthly premium and not really worry about it.
0: You guys listening, all of you, third-party, It's fine like it's incredible to me and i i was guilty of this myself those golden handcuffs or whatever you want to call it whatever the phrase is that keeps people at jobs keep that keeps young healthy never been sick healthcare professionals in jobs that they don't like because they're like but i have benefits you don't even use them you don't even go to the doctor <laughs> it's fine you don't and if some like think about it the general population if they're going to the doctor it's like either cuz they're throwing up something's bleeding or their back hurts. That last one we could take care of. So you guys can go. It's okay. You can go and pay for your own insurance. Especially if you're young and, you know, single. You don't have kids. You don't have family. You guys can go in and get these third-party insurers and be totally fine. So if you're listening to this and part of the reason you don't want to take a leap, take a step away, is because of healthcare. It's affordable and you can do this. So I'm glad that that's what you had opted for and I'm glad julie that you are also being smart and staying on your parents until you have to get out of off of that Absolutely. i like it sean question a little bit less uh, nitty-gritty here what about friends i know you guys have each other but you're traveling a lot like is it hard to make friends in the new do you even bother making friends in the new places like being away from home what's that like
2: yeah so as you can tell i'm very shy um <laughs> so that's kind of challenging No. um I, Julie and I are both pretty outgoing, so we like to go out to breweries and go out to watch sports and things like that. So uh, we have no problem going up to somebody and just starting a conversation. We actually, two of our friends that became very close when we were in Oregon, they were just at a brewery while we were there and their dog was cute. So we were like, hey, can we pet your dog? And then it was just awkward sitting there and petting their dog. So we were like, can we sit with you? <laughs> so uh, we became pretty close friends with them. Uh, one thing I will say is make sure you uh, tap into a resource that's very close to you, which would be your coworkers. Um, mm-hmm. I made this mistake early on. I was working in Maryland and I didn't really hang out with my coworkers until we went out for drinks my last day. And I was like, these people are freaking awesome. Why have <laughs> I not hung out with you? So, lesson learned. Now I always try to become close with coworkers uh, right away. Uh, we usually try to set up happy hours, things like that. Um, if you're more proactive, obviously. Things are going to fall into place uh, because you have to understand these people you're working with. They've maybe worked there for ten years and see the same people all the time. It's not as exciting to them. So, if you're really, totally. like, more proactive and you set up happy hours or hikes or whatever it is, um, then you know you'll definitely make some friends.
0: That's so good. You guys really. I, I watch you obviously on on the Instagram like a stalker and it's so evident that you make the effort to get out and do things. Julie, I'm going to flip it to you. How do you plan these uh, adventures, if you will?
1: Yeah, so it feels like every weekend we have a new adventure. We just get excited when we go to a new area where as soon as we get there, we're constantly asking locals or new friends that we've made, you know, recommendations for the area. Um, We love the outdoors, so we're always trying to find a new hike or – you know, a, a new national park to explore, um, especially being in a new area, everything is new to us. So we're always um, on the go. A lot of research online, but mostly just through friends that we meet, saying, "Hey, you know, um, what's there to do around here? And what do you guys want to do? Let's let's get out and um, go explore." So
0: that's so so good. One of the things that I feel like I've noticed in watching you guys and talking to you guys actually when we went out, when we went out to to brunch is that with travel PT, it allows you to be a human that is not defined by their profession. I feel like I look at myself and I look at most of us who had the set, you know, standard job and it's like, what do you do? I'm a PT. Whereas I watch the two of you and being a PT is part of it and it's kind of just a means so that you can be yourselves and explore and go and travel the country and you know, have an extra job as like a dog walkers or whatever it is that I, I want to talk to you guys about that too, like the little dog thing that you're doing. But it's really interesting to see how this gig has really allowed you to, like, I think more people should do this be human first, be a person first, and, you know, have this career. But the career is something that allows you to do things that doesn't 100% define you. So, speaking of that, Julie, do you have a setting that you prefer?
1: Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons I started travel, um, you know, among many other, but, um, I didn't have an idea of exactly what I wanted to do. I, you know, I liked outpatient. Um, I really enjoyed the hospital clinical that I had done in school, but I didn't really know what my, you know, specialty was or Mm -hmm. where my passion really was with PT. I love what I do day to day, but I just hadn't found that, you know, Oh my God, I love this. I can do this for the rest of my life. Um, And so right now um, I really am passionate about um, getting back to working in a hospital. Um, I liked the two home health jobs that I did, but again, with home health, there are definitely pros and cons. Um, So I want to get back to working in the hospital, but it's nice with travel. I get to, you know, for 13, 15, 16 weeks, however long our contract is kind of dabble with different settings and really figure out what do I like? What do I not like? um, Because then when I do down the road, take a permanent job, um, I'll be sure that, Hey, this is what I want to do. And this is, this is what I'm passionate about. Um, so I'm not really sure where that's going to take me, but, um, I think I'll get back into the, um, acute care inpatient side of things, uh, rather than, than outpatient. I love how
0: secure you, you sound in that and okay with it. Like it's, and this is even like you definitely first when we talked about this at the at brunch, you sounded fine with it. But it's like I can really hear that you're like, yeah, what comes will come, and this is what I what I think I want to do. But I'm also okay with the fact that like I'm not like I want to open a clinic and do this. Like we see that online so much, where people seemingly have, you know, they have 100 know what they want to do. Shit, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just like I don't like that. I'm gonna do this instead.
1: Yeah, my mom so does really- every day. So I mean, what I think yeah, today is good. tomorrow, and I kind of just go with the flow and figure it out as I go and. Um, again, again, the, the nice thing about travel is I do love what I do, but um, I also want to be human, like you said, and be able yeah. to explore and go on hikes and um, get outside. So um, our jobs allow us to do that, which which is why I love traveling. So
0: ah, It's so, so good. Dr. Sean, do you have a, a favorite setting? Uh,
2: yeah, I would say I gravitate more towards outpatient. Um, but uh, in my two and a half years, I've gotten to work in – skilled nursing outpatient, uh, both hospital-based and private. Um, I've worked inpatient rehab, which that was super eye-opening to me. Wow. Um, and, uh, home health as well. So I've kind of worked in almost every setting, um, which you just don't, you really don't get that as a, a perm therapist. Um, I think it helps, like Julie said, you get to find, uh, maybe where your passions lie, but also as far as just building a strong resume and, uh, being a well-rounded therapist and an yeah. individual. Um, it, it really helps build uh, a lot of different skills in a lot of different areas and prevents you from losing skills um, that maybe you had in school uh, when you're, you know, kind of doing everything as a jack-of-all-trade. Mm-hmm. Um, it prevents you from getting out of uh, those skills.
0: I actually want to keep. I want you to keep going with that. In terms of losing skills, because I think that's one of the things that people worry about, especially, the. and I love that you, ortho is kind of your thing, people that are really ortho-minded. I think one of the fears is that if I go and do this, then I'm going to be doing home health and I'm going to lose my ortho skills. You, Sean, you're like, I don't know if you already are, considered whatever, uh, an ICANN instructor. So you have a lot of new skill sets, uh, like new tools. Are you able to keep up with things and utilize them in different settings? Or do you feel like, oh, I can't really utilize the cool stuff I'm learning? Or where are you at with that?
2: Yeah, that's one thing that's always kind of blown my mind is that, um, I mean, you should be treating the patient in front of you, um, Mm -hmm. no matter what setting you're in. So, I mean, I don't care if I'm in a sniff or in an outpatient clinic or in somebody's home, uh, if they have a a total knee replacement, I'm going to treat it, you know, how I would appropriately treat it for that patient. Um, I think it's weird that you see different kind of treatment ideas in different settings um, for the same issues. Um, so, I mean, as far as losing skills, I think you can, you can transfer a lot, even from outpatient into home health, um, you know, and from sniff into home health or outpatient, whatever it is, I think all of our skills are transferable. And as far as, um, losing skills, I think if you are passionate about what you do, um, you're going to educate yourself, um, and make sure that you stay up to date, uh, with, with your skills, no matter where you're working.
0: That's so good. That's that the exact answer that I was hoping. Because I know people, that's that's kind of one of the things that they used as like a, that, when I say they, that professors used as like a reason to not do traveling. And you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's up to us as providers to be better. And just because you are doing home health doesn't mean that you're supposed to, or you're working in a sniff doesn't mean that you're supposed to use a yellow band for everybody and do stuff that isn't actually necessarily benefiting that patient. Julie, I had a question for you about that. How do you feel going or how do you approach perhaps going into a new setting and perhaps they are not uh, treating the way that you are used to? Like I I guess if it's home health, it doesn't really matter as much because they are not dictating how you have to treat. But have you been in a setting where you're like, oh, this is like a little bit backwards and outdated And if so, what do you do?
1: Yeah, so I think I've been, um, you know, really fortunate with the um, jobs that I've had since graduating. I worked in an outpatient clinic and um, the other therapists that I worked with were phenomenal. Um, So I was really able to treat how I wanted to treat and, you know, not take that cookie cutter, stay on the table approach with outpatient that I think you see far too often. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like you said, with home health, it really um, doesn't apply just because I'm the only one in the home. So I really get to dictate, um, how I treat that patient and I make it very functional. I mean, you're in their home, so this is what they do and see day to day. Um, so making everything so functional in the home and getting them squatting, getting them, you know, modified deadlifting, getting them doing those functional day to day skills that I think a lot of times when you patients were, or when therapists work with patients who are older, they, they may look at them as being, you know, um, frail or um, they can't tolerate a lot of load, but I think we underestimate um, some of our patients in skilled nursing facilities and, and home health settings um, because I think getting them back to what they want to do, you need to to do those functional functional movements. So.
0: Amen, sister. You guys listening, I will drop that episode I did with Jero's Health, um, Jero's health in the show notes when um, they talk about that, you know, one rep max living and getting away from that and, and how we should all be doing better and we're doing these people a disservice i want to keep with you julie though how is it as a female being doing home health is it ever like weird nervous uncomfortable
1: yeah so at first i was a little you know on the fence before i had even given it a try i thought Mm -hmm. you know, I'm i'm a small young female going into patients homes who you know you don't really know what you're walking into um, but 99% of the time, all the homes that I've been into, they are just so appreciative that you're there. They're so welcoming and just, you know, their family, their, um, you know, their support system, they are appreciative that you're there. Um, in terms of safety, um, I, if I ever feel un- uncomfortable or unsafe with the situation when I first pull up, um, both of my home health uh, supervisors have always said, you never need to go into a home. You can at any point leave if you feel uncomfortable or if you feel unsafe. Um, I've never been put in that situation, mm-hmm. but again, I always know that my supervisor or my boss would back me up if, for whatever reason, I needed to leave or didn't go in to do an assessment. Um, if there was a situation where I felt uncomfortable, I'd always um, have, you know, share my location with Sean or another coworker, And then I always just kind of. Um, uh, to protect myself, I bring pepper spray with me. Yeah, um, is, I keep it in my scrub pocket and bring it in. But I've never even had to think yeah. about using it. But safety um, first. But yeah, no, it's it's not um, it's not what you really think or expect. I'm sure that people have their horror stories as they do with any job. But yeah. there's the the biggest thing that I've seen with home health is you go into some homes that are very unsanitary. But I've never felt mm. unsafe. So
0: ah. Sean, how's your home health experience been besides peeing? Uh,
2: I feel like I need to explain that a little bit now.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> um,
2: so that's something I think Sam started. Um,
0: it's definitely. Sammy Black sucks. It, definitely started.
2: <laughs> uh, hashtag ping in people's homes. People have a lot of weird shit in their bathrooms. Uh, <laughs> not weird shit, but like weird stuff. Uh, sometimes weird shit. but um, So... I don't know. He started this thing of taking pictures on uh, his Instagram story of just odd things that he sees in his homes and hashtag peeing in people's homes. So I continued that in his legacy. Um, (laughs) But no, home health has been really good. Um, It's not something I ever imagined that I would get into, but I enjoy the flexibility of creating your own schedule. um, Not needing to go to an office. Um, You just leave your house and go right to the patient. Um, And... uh, Days typically feel a little bit shorter because you don't treat quite as long. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like you're treating for eight hours. The paperwork sucks. Um, (laughs) I'm not a fan of that. But I think it's a trade-off, right? There's pros and cons with anything.
0: Ah, I like that. Two things, actually. Uh, One, I love that you're just talking about the fact that home health isn't so terrible. So those of you listening, maybe you don't want to do travel PT. That's fine. But maybe you're trying to take the leap and start your own gig, Home health is a very viable option for making money, so you're not homeless while you start that side gig or you start that side hustle. And Sean has told you like it's not this horrendousness, and Julie's told you it's not this horrendousness that you know our our professors might have us think because they never actually did it. Sean, you, you teased out something there, you talked about something there that I want you to talk a little bit more about, which is paperwork. How is that in general? I know it's going to be setting specific. And how is it learning like new documentation systems?
2: Yeah. So as a traveler, obviously you have to learn whatever documentation system the facility is using when you get there. Um, A lot of places will do like a formal orientation where they actually sit down with you and take you through mock patients or whatever uh, their system allows so that you can really learn the documentation. Um, Other places, they kind of throw you into it. Um, So that's something to ask on the interview. Will I have an orientation? Uh, what's my ramp up time? When do I need to see a full caseload? Um, documentation systems tend to all be very similar uh, within a setting. So in outpatient clinics, um, yes, they vary and there's little nuances you have to learn. But if you can use a computer and you're you know, relatively confident with a computer, then you can basically figure it out. Um, that's been my experience. Um, they also tend to repeat themselves. There are some, uh, that a lot of places use, uh, WebPT, Epic, um, those are some big ones. And, uh, you might see those repeat themselves. So that can even give you a leg up in an interview. If, uh, maybe you're interviewing for a hospital that uses Epic and you've used it before, uh, maybe that gives you a leg up over another candidate. So, um, now that I've had about eight jobs or so, I'm starting to see, uh, documentation systems repeat themselves
0: for sure. I'm gonna keep with you because you keep saying the words I want. Um, I see. I'm watching the time too, so we're gonna wrap it up soon. But trying to keep with you, interviews. What does that look like? And aside from kind of, or I guess you could repeat any of the like tips, tricks, strategies that you'd recommend that people either think about, know, say, do, whatever when they are interviewing.
2: Yeah. So the interview, um, from our experience, has been. Uh, Typically pretty conversational. Obviously, it's a phone interview. Um, They don't fly you everywhere to do interviews. That would be kind of cool. But um, it's just nice to do a phone interview. Um, Usually, it's just uh, the director of rehab or uh, whoever that calls you. And it's a conversation. Um, They don't typically ask a lot of those basic interview questions. Of course, you should be ready for like your strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Uh, my experience has been more that they, they ask you about yourself. You give them, you, you know, your kind of elevator pitch, um, talk about your experience and why you think you'd be a good fit. And then the majority uh, or the biggest portion of the interview is really you asking about the job. Because up to that point, you might not really have too many details. So you want to know why they're hiring a, thera- a travel therapist, right? Is it because they have somebody on maternity leave or is it because they can't get a therapist to stay there? Um, ah. you want to know what your schedule is going to be, what days and hours you're going to work. Um, what is the other staff like? Do they have PTs and OTs or is it just PTs and how many, um, do they have PTAs and techs? things like that. Um, I mentioned before the orientation ramp up time, those things are, are important because especially if you're going into, into a new setting, like we were, when we went to home health, we wanted to know, do we have to just start on day one and go see patients Um, or do we have time to shadow a therapist? Um, And we were actually very fortunate. We had almost a two-week orientation period. Uh, We had a whole week of shadowing, uh, which got a little bit boring, but it was good Good. to have
0: that experience for sure. Um, Julie, anything you ask or...?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the same questions. We have kind of a cheat sheet that we go off of um, based on the setting, and then from there we kind of expand based on you know what they've asked us and what they say. But um, I like to ask definitely orientation, especially when I first came out of school. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't put in a situation where I felt uncomfortable, and I think I don't think it's you know I don't want people to think they have to shy away from. Um, telling you know the company, hey, I you know I do need a couple of days just to ramp up. Mm-hmm. Not that you know you need someone to hold your hand, but just to kind of get used to the flow of everything. And um, I don't you know I think too if you shy away from asking those questions, um, the company may think, hey, they're ready to start on day one and take a full caseload. And if that's the case, you may show up and be in over your head. Um, so I'm always just upfront on what I'm comfortable with and kind of what I need from them and then vice versa, kind of asking, um, you know, what their expectations are. Um, I do ask a lot of, um, you know, questions about the support there. So the other PTs making sure that I'm not going to be the only PT on site, um, unless Mm -hmm. I really feel comfortable with that. But I think at this point in my career, um, I'd like to have other PTs there just to bounce ideas off of and have, you know, um, some mentorship, um, even if it's very informal. I know with home health, you know, I'm go- the only one going into the house, but knowing that I have a, you know, other therapists that are out in the field that I can call up or stop in the office to, um, to talk to or um, kind of, again, bounce ideas off of. So I like to know all of those things. Um, but we have a list of questions that we tend to stick to um, to make sure we, we have all of our questions answered. Because um, The last thing we want is to end the interview and then say, oh, you know, we forgot yeah. to ask this, this, and this. Um, so...
0: So I'm going to do some business coaching and asking right now because I can't help myself. This cheat sheet, do you have this as like a download that you give to people in exchange for their email addresses?
2: Um, We do not, but we are willing to share if people reach out to us. Um, Hold on.
0: (laughs) Back it up a second. So before I do this, Sean, yes. You guys have you have a website? You have a uh, Instagram account. Can you let the people know what that is?
2: Yeah. So our Instagram account, um, which would be the best way to get a hold of us, uh, is at pt underscore journeys, and then our website which... spell journeys, J O U R N E Y S. Okay. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: I, yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, and then our website would be we just. <laughs> Uh, launched like a month ago or two months ago, uh, is travelptjourneys.com. ptjourneys.com was already a thing. So they wanted like okay. $4, $4, like, $4, $4 like, for the domain name and we were like, no, nah, bro. This is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah.
0: So on this website, you also have started a like list, uh, like a almost like an Angie's list for travel locations, yes?
2: Yeah, so the... We have like an interactive map so you can plot uh, places that you have been, which will help people uh, with things like housing and things like that if they're going to the same area. And you can also plot where you are currently so that you can uh, meet up with people that are in your area.
0: Beautiful. So if you guys are looking for the resource, that's where you're going to go. It will be in the show notes. Two things. One, Sean and Julie, what I would love to see you guys do is take that list – that you have of questions and turn that into a PDF and then use that as your lead magnet to get people to opt into your newsletter that we talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really great download. That's a really great thing. You know, the, the exchange there, um, you guys listening, you guys know, I love digital business and the thing you should be building from day. Number one is your email list. And one of the best ways to build your email list is with a free opt in. I'm sure all of you listening to this have, opted into someone's list one way or another because you wanted something that they were giving away, some sort of download, some sort of PDF. It's usually the easiest thing. Shorter is better. So this is a perfect example of something that's a really valuable resource that they can give away in exchange for you opting into, you giving them your email list so that you have contact. And of course, they don't spam you. They wouldn't spam you. Um, But there's a business lesson for anyone who's willing to listen. Uh, Julie, I want to keep with you because you who just said maybe Sean just said it either way julia i'm keeping with you um about the website you just created you have a kind of resources on there for housing and such what is that process like not the website but just housing and furniture and when you're moving how do you take stuff and i know that you like to buy baskets like what do you t- <laughs> do what do you do with this stuff Sean
1: told me that story huh <laughs> so um Typically, we, um, we take the tax-free stipend when it comes to housing because um, companies can provide um, housing for you. And again, if, if you're stressed out about housing, maybe it's your first contract and you're unsure kind of you know what to do and you want to take the company housing, you by all means can. We like to take the tax-free stipend because it's more money in our pocket and then we kind of get to pick and choose um, where we're living. Um, we've had luck with Airbnb, so we've stayed um, oh. at an Airbnb for three months and we just kind of negotiate with them um, about a lower monthly rate because they know that they're gonna have oh, okay. three months. Um, and then we've also taken um, just short term um, apartment leases. so we typically just call around and see um, what apartments can do in terms of a short-term lease. Some are you know very strict on six to twelve months. Some will, have some wiggle room, or um, when we lived in Oregon, we found a month-to-month uh, lease option with this um, apartment. Um, both were unfurnished, so we got creative and we rented some furniture. We uh, got some furniture at the thrift store. We got our bed on Amazon. We kind of so <laughs> had a hodgepodge of furniture, and of course, my. Um, unhealthy shopping at Hobby Lobby and Home Goods. Uh, I had brought home a few baskets and <laughs> decorations, to say the least. But
2: right after we had a conversation about how we already had too much stuff, <laughs> she comes home with a huge basket, and I was like, "What are you doing?
1: To throw our blankets in?" But anyway, um, another option. Again, it's not an option for us because Sean is um, unusually tall. Um, But RV living. So a lot of, um, you know, friends that we have met on Instagram and um, they do the RV life to where they, everything they have and own is in their RV. And when they're ready to move to their next contract, they just drive away. And I think that does take away the stress of having to constantly pack up and move and, you know, finding a new apartment and furniture and all of that. But Sean is just too tall for that lifestyle.
0: <laughs> He's a big tall man you guys listening about the if you're wondering about the kind of the rv life remember i did that episode with stephanie Hine. i will link that in the show notes um, and she actually has a husband and two kids so that's the you know i guess more advanced in your life version of travel pt so this is something that's totally viable across across the lifespan across your your career your career span so i'm We're gonna wrap awesome epi-
2: into that episode what was that? I said that blew my mind when I listened to that episode.
0: Dude, right? Crazy. I, she, when I met her, I was like, you have two kids and you're traveling and you live in this RV and they've done everything. Yeah, like amazing. Amazing. New Zealand. they've, they've well, Everything that you guys have said, she, she echoed and showed how you could do it with two kids and the, value, the benefit, I should, I should say, of being a travel PT and making your own schedule. And then, which is exactly what you guys are doing creating the life you want and not just being like hey yeah I'm making more money but then actually like realizing oh, I have more time this is why I did this and then going and exploring I think that's so so huge and I want you guys listening to really make sure that you also take that away I brought Sean and Julian to give you the the logistics the tactics, the that give you a resource for travel PT but also so that you could hear what it's like creating the life that you want and you don't have to wait you can start right now, you just have to make sure that when you get, start getting things in place, you actually do it. And I love what Julie said, like, yeah, it, it does seem like every weekend they're doing something. And Sean said the same thing, like, go and talk to your coworkers and be proactive about things and create the life that you want. I got one question for, two more questions, actually, for each of you. First question, Sean, I'll give it to you. And then Julie, same question. What's been your favorite place? We have to know.
2: Uh, so I have two, um, which I guess isn't a favorite, but they're tight. Um, So when I was traveling by myself and Julie was still in school, I went to Phoenix, Arizona for five months. Um, and I started in January. So that was my Perfect. first winter ever without snow. Um, and it was 75 degrees and sunny every single day. And it was yeah. magical. Um,
0: yes. So that
2: was my favorite at that point. Um, but we're both big fans of Oregon. Uh, we were just in Oregon wow. for uh, three or four months. And uh, we loved it. it uh, wow. It's beautiful up there.
0: You guys made the most of it. Like, I love that you did all that hiking. I saw all the green. Crater right. Lake is pretty amazing though, right? That color is just...
1: It's like one of my favorite places yeah. so far, Crater Lake. It's just beautiful. It's
0: unreal. Yeah. The color is unreal. So what's your favorite, Julie? Yeah,
1: I, uh, I'd have to say Oregon. Just the whole Pacific Northwest. We got a chance to visit Seattle for a weekend and really explore uh, a lot of different places in Oregon. We got down to Bend, which is a really cool town out to the coast, um, down to Crater Lake, like you had already mentioned. It's just beautiful. There's so much to do outdoors, so if you love the outdoors, the Pacific yeah. request is for you. Did you
0: see Goonies Rock? I didn't... I feel like I didn't see a story about no, that. Oh, didn't the rock.
1: That, No, we did No.
2: That's Oregon? What? No, I didn't know.
0: Yeah, it's Oregon.
2: That's why well, when she... we post and ask for recommendations, you gotta throw things out like that.
0: I was like, wait a minute, I think I didn't see that, but also it's kind of cold now, so yeah. I wouldn't want to go there. So all right we're gonna do the the wrap-up question this has been phenomenal like so much info by the way guys remember everything is in the show notes i brought them on as a resource you can check them out on instagram at pt underscore journeys j-o-u-r-n-e-y-s or travelptjourneys. travel pt journeys dot journey or journeys journeys travel pt journeys dot com you have those options but definitely check them out on Instagram they're always on there they're posting really fun things uh, they have this awesome thing called Foodie Fridays make awesome faces eat awesome food so check that out but my wrap up question my typical wrap up question Julie is there anything and it could be about anything that you would like to leave the people with that we haven't covered you want to reiterate whatever
1: yeah, I think especially as a new grad or someone who's maybe working a perm job who's on the fence about travel, um, I think this is always my like takeaway is just go for it. Just give it a try. Travel PT has opened up so many opportunities for myself and both of us. Um, but if, if you're on the fence, why not give it a try? You can always take a perm job. If you don't like it, um, you can do anything for 13 weeks. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're on the fence, just, just give it a try, um, and go for it because it's, it's been great for us. We've met so many friends, both, you know, through travel, you know, through our travels where we go, but through our Instagram page. So please, you know, reach out to us, connect with us. we love to meet up with people in different cities and wherever we're going. So, um, but and don't hesitate to, to reach out with questions because we we still to this day, even though Sean's been doing it for two and a half years now, I know I turn to him for stuff, but we still turn to other travel mentors and other travelers who we've met along the way to ask questions and bounce ideas off of. So it's been helpful. Take the
0: leap. I love it. You know, I'm going to love that. <laughs> Mr.
1: Sean, what have
0: you got to say?
2: Yeah. So going off of that, I mean, I think we always tell people um, to jump into travel therapy if you're an adventurous type person or if you're really outgoing or you like a dynamic lifestyle. Um, but I think even if those kind of things don't describe you, uh, we mentioned before that this kind of forces growth and I think growth always happens outside of your comfort zone. So if yes. if you think that these things sound a little bit scary, um, maybe it'll be good for you to go out and travel. Even like Julie said, if it's just for one contract, um, get out of your comfort zone, go meet some new people, um, explore a new area, things like that. Um, and hey, if you hate it, you made some good money in the meantime and you can go back to uh, you know your your safety net, wherever that might may be.
0: Ah, this is so good. Julie, Sean, thank you. This is this was I'm really glad that we decided to, to to switch it up and do the episode this way. You guys are a fountain of knowledge and are hands down need to be. People's go-to resource for doing this. Yeah,
1: this has been fun. Thanks, Shante. Yeah, Shante, thank you. You
0: much. are so, so, so very welcome. You guys listening, thank you. I know you could be doing anything, and you chose to listen to us, and for that, we are endlessly, as always, endlessly appreciative. If you liked this episode, I would love it if you shared it with someone who you think it could benefit. Someone who's maybe on the fence, someone who you think, yeah, this could be a good fit. If you loved the episode, do me a solid subscribe and then share it with somebody who you think it could benefit. All right, officially gonna wrap it up. Until next time, friends, Sean, Julie, and Maestro